Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. know that you can now get access to more of my content education support and guidance in the new thrive community platform thrive is a place to connect with like-minded individuals who are all on the journey of living alcohol free you can gain access to materials and a video library of toolkit ideas which will help keep you grounded as well as boost your emotional sobriety It's a place to celebrate milestones, big or small, and connect with me directly via weekly lives and a weekly Q&A session in Zoom. No matter where you are in your quest to live a happy, free and sober life, there is plenty to gain from Thrive. Membership is just £20 a month and none of the internal tools are gated, so you won't be asked to pay more for courses and tools once you're in there. Please head over to www.sassysobermum.com slash thrive or click the link in my Insta bio. Look forward to seeing you. Hello and welcome to this week's Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I have Isabel from Amsterdam in Holland and she has been sober for about seven months, which is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, Isabel. You're welcome. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure. I love recording these episodes. So why don't we dive straight into understanding a bit about who you are? So if you can do a little intro, that'd be amazing. Of course. Well, I'm uh, 44 years old and um, I live in Amsterdam. I have a very busy household with uh, animals and a teenage daughter and uh, working full time and also studying. So there's a lot of going on. And in last July, I had surgery. I had a knee prosthetic surgery, so a total knee replacement. Wow. And yeah, so life is always challenging. Um, And I'm still, um, how do you say, recovering or um, trying to, well, walk better uh, and, well, get better. Yeah. And, um, well, I had to quit drinking um, for a lot of reasons, um, but the surgery was actually, uh, how do you say, a goal, a very um, good goal <laughs> to do yeah. so, to really start over. So I quit a couple months before, so to be fit and um, holding on to that. Oh, wow. So was that, I mean, just on that knee surgery, was that an accident or was that just, um, yeah, does that, how how does that happen? That must have been really challenging. Um, Well, um, I had, uh, well, I was playing hockey on very, uh, well, good level Mm. and I had had, I've had a lot of surgeries already um, since I was 14. So actually my knee was well damaged wow. uh, and um, I did have a lot of accidents also related to drinking and stumbling and uh, well, clumsiness, of course. Yeah. But this is a combination of, uh, you know, my age and a lot of sports. And um, yeah, the only choice I had was or to deal with the pain or, uh, well, just go for the replacement. Yeah. And, um, well, I choose the last one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like that might be painful. Goodness me. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. It's a reason to, well, drink, actually, um, for the old me, you know, because I'm very, yeah. uh, if you want to uh, medicate yourself or to just get your brain off things. Mm. But on the other hand, it all, now uh, I choose focus and uh, um, just go through the whole pain and, and, and recovery without escaping or whatsoever. Yeah, amazing. I'm sure we'll get into more of that. So take us back to 
well, the beginning, I suppose. What was your life like with alcohol? I can relate a lot of uh, your stories. Um, I was 14, 15, and um, we could go out and you just start with a beer. And um, and I found out that actually I was living through the week, to the weekend and to uh, yeah blow off some steam and to party. But the only thing I could do was partying with alcohol because mm-hmm. there was no... I, I actually, <laughs> I found out I never went to pubs, clubs, parties without a beer or without a wine. It was the first thing you did, walk into the bar and start drinking. And then uh, on hockey, you had the third half <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after the game. Everybody was uh, getting beers and uh, happy hours and all that. So I was really young. Uh, how do you say, combining um, relaxing and making fun with alcohol. And then it develops uh, dependency and uh, total addiction, actually, without your, you think you are addicted. But you, I've never experienced without until, uh, well, now. Um, and then um, I was... I think between t- uh, 20s, when I found out wine was okay, wine with dinner, wine with friends, wine with uh, social occasions, wine with work, wine, uh, everything. And then, well, you, you can live with two, three, four. And then I realized I was, how do you say, not resistant, but um, it's it was taking a lot of more to really found the fun. So from one glass it happens to be six glasses that I felt really comfortable being somewhere yes that's that's a tolerance thing isn't it it's that increased tolerance over time yeah yeah Yeah. and uh well I had a lot of uh, accidents blackouts moments uh to be ashamed of but I didn't I didn't consider myself as a problem drinker I was just a party girl and I was um yeah, we call it in Dutch Burgundies, a Burgundic. Uh, so it's a way of life. I mean, you have people who drink much, who don't drink much, blah, blah, blah. Always finding excuses to drink one or two bottles uh, on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, and then, yeah, the the more you, uh, the older you get, uh, my daughter became, I think, six, seven. I realized she never saw me without wine on Fridays or Saturdays uh, with friends. So if they came over, always bottles on the table, and uh, and it's, uh, I, I, it, it was a thing in my head, but I didn't act on it. And then, uh, well, to make a long story short, my uh, recent boyfriend, who I have now for two and a half years, uh, he doesn't drink much. He drinks one beer maybe uh, on a Saturday night. He was a real mirror. He was really confronting me and found me annoying, found me, uh, said uh, I was always in a sort of planet, planet wine, he he called it. uh, And then... Um, I realized what I and then the realization came. I was reading books, really listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, and then I realized, well, this is such a huge issue, actually, and I was denying it. And and then I started with uh, therapy and sessions to find out what my relation with booze and and drinking was, and I quit uh, last year, November, until February. Um, to it was a test it was a hundred days sober uh, challenge from my uh, therapist and actually she wanted me to quit all the way but I was like no I can be a drinker with one two glasses uh, so that was February and uh, March but I couldn't I cannot I just it's one or one bottle but uh, oh, it's none or one bottle, but it's yeah. not one. So I had the surgery coming up and um, with a lot of medication and also uh, very horrible 
pressure on work, everything. And then I found out, well, I have to do, I have to say goodbye and to make a, a different choice, different lifestyle, because you cannot moderate. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's none. So that's uh, in well, not nutshell, but that's uh, my life with yeah. booze and. Uh, do you know, it's so funny that um, thing you say about it's almost like a penny drops, doesn't it? You can't moderate. And I felt the same this time because I was quite similar to you in that um, I did have a longer stint of sobriety about 30, age 30. I did eight months and then I did 100 days, 39. Yeah. And then um, I went back to it thinking, well, you know, I don't want to give it up forever because, you know, no. who does that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, certainly not me. I don't have a problem in inverted commas. Um, uh, but I, I got to the same place. I think there was just a night and I decided after that night, do you know what? This is, is this is out of control. I can't moderate. I just, I, it just like a penny dropped for me, yeah. but I couldn't do it. And it sounds like it was like that for you. Yeah. And it's only, and also, um, because I quit with beer and, and all the, 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 how do you say, the uh, gin tonics and everything. It was just wine. Yeah. But um, I, so I thought, how can I, <laughs> I mean, if I quit wine, there's no problem because the mm. other drinks are never, it, are, it's not for me. Um, and in uh, Amsterdam, we have a lot of um very nice shops it's called nicks and nicks and it's all alcohol free uh drinks uh jimber uh all those drinks you can mix make cocktails everything mocktails i mean uh bubbles without alcohol so it became fashionable so mm. not to drink um and even a lot of my friends uh were quitting and uh uh you know, a healthy lifestyle and everything was very popular. So I thought the wine is, is yeah, the wine is the problem. So, and um, yeah, now I found out there are a lot of nights I don't even realize I didn't drink or I didn't uh, crave or whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and then I, and the one, the first glass is the problem. Yes. So if you. <laughs> it is. I, I agree completely. And I, you know, like yourself, wine was my drink as well. Yeah. It was my, and it's funny that, isn't it? Because, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, th I think wine for women, especially, because I can't really speak for men, but I know for women, I think wine is, becomes the problem. Yeah, totally. Um, and and I can still I can still sort of remember when you would just, you know, open that bottle of wine and you have the first glass and you get that, feeling that floods you which it, what you think is that relaxation that you crave but actually yeah. I've learned now it's just it's a drug it's just sedating you yeah. <laughs> and um you know that's when you think about it in that way that feels wrong but when we totally. say it relaxes you it feels right you know it's weird mm -hmm. it? the, the language that we put around our drinking um but yeah no wine was my was my drink and um and I only really had that in my twenties as well. And and it and like you say, it becomes the thing that you just have with everything. And and, and it just it's just always there, isn't it? The wine mm -hmm. is always there. It's always in the cupboard, or you get it on the way home. And it's yeah. just yeah, it's it's quite it's quite interesting. But like you, I was absolutely the same. The thought of not finishing a full bottle of wine would it would just n never enter my head. I would no. never never no. leave anything unless the only time I ever left something was if I was on the second bottle of wine yeah I would try so hard to moderate the amount I drank in that second bottle that, yeah. that, I, that I would manage to maybe you know I, I learned to, to force myself to leave half a bottle but that's the, that's still one and a half bottles of wine that is a lot of, of course, wine yeah. <laughs> for a Tuesday night or, or whatever oh, oh my god yeah and then be proud on yourself because she didn't drink the whole yes. second bottle. Yes. Wow. So you I don't know. have a problem. It's weird, isn't it? And I want to go back to that because it's funny, actually, because I, um, I, I I post something on my stories on Instagram this morning. And it's about, you know, we have society today has normalized blackout drinking yeah. and managing horrendous hangovers at work. We have normalized that. 
you know, but but it's not normal. No. It's not normal behavior, but but so many people do do it that it has become something to laugh at or, you know, it's become it's just become normal. And I think that's, that's so scary. And that links really nicely with that point, you know, that you just made, how does a bottle and a half of wine feel like a green tick? Well done. I didn't hit two bottles. It's ridiculous, isn't it? The the, the psychology there. It's pathetic also because (laughs) you don't look at what you did. You just look at what you didn't do. But um, yeah. The problem also with wine is that when I was younger, uh, between four, 15 and 21, I didn't like the smell and it was like a grown-up drink and blah, blah, blah. And beer was very easy to consume and to uh, buy because it was cheap. Yeah. And I never learned um, to um, sit down with dinner and drink normally a glass of wine. It was always the bottle and hit, hit, uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> at fundum in in latin just hit it hit it hit it and then um like beer Mm. and um so that's one of the things that's why uh, wine became a problem i didn't drink it normally i drink it like lemonade like beer Mm. like whatsoever and um well it hits you harder (laughs) yeah it does um, it's it's strong isn't it i mean yeah it's strong i mean typically and I think wine and, and alcohol in general has increased in its percentage of alcohol, its strength. So when my mum was having parties and they were having wine, I think a lot of wine, you know, would have been around that 8%, uh, mm-hmm. maybe 10%. But I was going into shops and buying, most of the time I was buying 11 12%, <gasps> sometimes 14% wow. strength of wine. You know, because you can, I don't know what it's like in Holland, probably the same but yeah you can get an awful lot of different brands of wine in the small local store where you also buy your bread and um like the sort of little mini tiny local supermarkets half of like one whole aisle of their sort of three or four aisle shops will just be bottles of wine so mm-hmm. you know it's taking up a lot of space in there but you could get all you know the deep heavy red which was always my kind of favorite particularly this time of year um you know i'd conditioned myself to associate autumn coziness yeah, yeah, red yeah. wine blah blah all this romantic stuff <laughs> ne- never never linking the blackouts the shame with the red wine when you think about it you only <laughs> ever think of all the you know the romantic yeah. stuff <laughs> which is again crazy conditioning that we get into isn't it but yeah, I mean, some of those, the strengths of some of those are between 12 and 14%. I mean, if you think about a 14% bottle, that is almost double, really, of what maybe wine was, say, 40 years ago. So, and beers as well. Some beers and ciders, I always really like to buy the extra strong ones. You know, they're like 6 or 8% for a bottle of cider or a bottle of beer. Um, it's crazy, really. It's madness. It is. But yeah. I can see my, my daughter is 17 now. And she needs to have an ID to buy, uh, of course, uh, liquor, uh, booze, whatever, because 18 is um, the um, our how do you say our lawful age you can buy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But she has, of course, a fake ID. Um, and the easy way, children, and you can see their children getting uh, the booze now is shocking to me. Um, because the supermarkets and 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 all those grocery stores still wants to make money, of course, and they yeah. don't want to make a lot of fuss about it. Mm. But also, when she goes to bars and pubs, it's not different with than with me twenty twenty five years ago. And mm. um, so there's still no realization how devastating it is to make children at a young age start drinking and. Um, we make a lot of fuss about uh, drugs and uh, cigarettes, but not about alcohol. And that shocks me. Yeah, and, and quite rightly as well. And I, um, you know, I was, I, don't, I was listening to, I think it was the Dr. Huberman Lab podcast. Um, not sure if you've heard of that. But he was saying that um, holding off to start drinking is the best thing that you can do for your brain and that basically the younger that you drink so so I was like you I started drinking at 14 mm-hmm. and 
you, I can't remember the percentage, but you're basically so much more likely to develop al- issues and out with alcohol and, 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 mm-hmm. and problematic drinking if you just go into drinking at, at, at a much lower age. So if you can hold mm-hmm. out until you're 18, 19, actually that will stand you in better stead of not developing issues with alcohol. But if you start around that 14 kind of age, you're just so many more times likely to develop, I guess, issues like what you and I are talking about, the way mm. you drank. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have, um, you know, what people would call like full-blown alcohol use disorder or alcoholism is more widely still known as, but you would certainly you know, because your brain is still developing so much that it develops so much in those teenage years. Yeah. And when the alcohol is going in, I mean, we all know that alcohol changes the brain chemistry. It just does. Mm-hmm. And if we yeah. drink regularly, if we drink regularly, we literally condition our brains to see alcohol as something that we need for survival that's the way our brain adapts it thinks well i need that because i get that alcohol every other day or every week or whatever so therefore we condition our brain to think we need it for survival so yeah i mean that is just mind-blowing in itself and you can see why when you actually try to stop drinking how how difficult that must be for your brain and you know for everything to recalibrate because you're having to unravel not only all the social conditioning <laughs> which is really difficult but also all this brain chemistry you know you're you've programmed your computer in a way to work in a certain way and then now you're trying to change that computer so it's just I, I find that all quite fascinating so yeah going off on a bit of a tangent there but certainly when it comes to young people drinking if if you know I mean look I don't know I, my children are not at that age yet my eldest is nine and it is something I think about obviously the whole alcohol Mm. thing and I will do my best to educate and I'd be interested in your insight maybe a little bit later on into this but it is yeah it is frightening and it must be frightening to see your own children as well kind of falling into that thing that you fell into all those years ago Um, yeah no, totally, it is, and also because we do now know so much yes. uh, more than we knew when we were younger, and when my parents were younger, because for them it was uh, very normal uh, to drink whenever and uh, how much. Yeah. Um, but yeah. well, I was also very uh, well rebellious. <laughs> I don't know yes. if that's the right word in English. <laughs> Yeah, people were saying about it's so bad for your brain, and I was like, "Well, do you want me to work for NASA? Because I still have a good job, I still function, I still study. Uh, You know, my brain is not dead. I could not relate the problems I had with the alcohol because I was functioning. I am. I was working full time, had good jobs, etc., etc. So I didn't. I didn't um, understand the whole story, but now the older I am, the more information I've got, uh, the more situations I reflect on, I do and truly understand. Yeah, and that and that's the main thing, isn't it? I mean, I I think you're completely spot on with that point there, and I, and I was the same as well in that I managed to keep my life together when I was drinking heavily, yeah. like I still got up for work. I still did all my things. I still parented. Um, and at some, at one stage I was single parenting as well. And I think because I managed to make it look like I was doing all right and that I was in my head, keeping all the plates spinning that, that I didn't convince, I couldn't convince myself that I had an issue. No, exactly. And that's, that is, and that is because we still have out of date, um references of what somebody who has alcohol use disorder or alcoholism you know we have that out of date reference in that we always think well that's the person perhaps that's on the bench with the brown paper bag and the vodka in there and well I'm not that so therefore I don't have an issue and that is really dangerous and that keeps us trapped I think that disconnect keeps us trapped and that's why 
this podcast and um, I know the stuff that I'm seeing on Instagram and I'm trying to share myself, just trying to bridge that gap a bit and say, look, you, you don't need to have a problem <laughs> the way that society currently defines a problem. You know, you just need to not feel great to be able to look at your relationship with alcohol or stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that shift is happening more and more. And that is, mm-hmm. so, that is very refreshing. But yeah, I do think that there's, I mean, I, who knows what the numbers are, right? Because drinking is a secretive thing anyway. Uh, we we totally. are we keep it very secret and we're all quite ashamed of it. Um, but I wonder how many households right now are in that, or people are, are in that kind of mindset of just like, look, my, my, you know, my, my, I'm just about keeping everything together, but something's off with my drinking, mm. but I don't want to look at it. <laughs> So I'm just going to keep going, especially this time of year, right? This is a really dodgy time of year. Um, yeah, and all the stress now. I mean, even in the UK, but also in Holland, we have a lot of energy crisis, yeah. uh, inflation. People are stressed about money, about um, surviving uh, the holidays, uh, the, the the how do you say the house market? Uh, mm. A lot of relations on the, on the, on the, on the edge. I mean, yeah. people, a lot of people around me are in a, having a relation crisis. So, yeah. how do you manage that? And, yes. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I can tell by myself. I was also a single mom for 13 years, mm-hmm. and. Uh, even when she was with her dad, uh, the alcohol was also my buddy through the lonely nights. And, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One no, who wasn't I'm... judging me or comforting me, let me go to sleep and filling the empty nights uh, of uh, being a single mom. Mm. Um, but there are now a lot of single moms and a lot of, uh, well, people around me. I think I can... I, if I hear them talking, I know you have the red flags, you have the signals like, hmm, been there, done that. Yeah. But I'm not going to judge you. Uh, mm. I hope you seek help when you need some. But it's no, even this time of year, but also this time now, if you know what I mean, mm. uh, after COVID, after whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, makes me I always feel a bit of sadness actually when I hear things like that or when I when I think back to when I was a single parent it was such a very very lonely time Mm -hmm. and um I you know at the time I felt like the drink got me through in those situations because I didn't know how to face myself or face my life or face the disappointment of where I kind of ended up. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to be in that situation. Uh, I don't, I don't think anyone does really. No, I don't think people go into having kids and then for whatever reason, relationships break down and then you're mostly on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've also got the battles of, you know, potentially, you know, there's raw emotions between the breakup. So there might be difficulties in communication and all of that kind of side of things as well. So you're managing that, but yeah, it's that, that, that is, that is really, really tough. I, I think like you having experienced that, um, I, I worry about that sometimes with people I know that, that maybe are entering that situation I want to say, please be careful of the drink. And if, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're feeling it's getting out of hand, please reach out to me. But it's so difficult, isn't it? Because it, it's just it's just a, it's a complicated thing to navigate. And I always try not to preach, but mm-hmm. I just want to put my arms around them and sort of say, I know how it feels to be where you are right now. And I know that wine over a lot of things is probably going to become a crutch, but it's not going to help sadly in the long run especially but um you have to wait for people to come to you and or you have to wait for people to ask for their for help don't you and that's totally that's the way it always is with this yeah um that you know you can't you can't take your brain out of your head and put it into someone else's head and show them the way like they have to get to that point sort of don't they but yeah um so anyway so kind of going coming back to your 
your story. So um, was there a particular, I know you obviously said there was the surgery and, and you realized you couldn't moderate. Was there a particular moment that that you you woke up and you were like, bang, right, that's it. I've got to stop. Or just sort of talk me through that period of those first kind of few days I in think, terms of that decision. I think there are three moments. The first one was my, uh, my boyfriend confronting me after a night out and uh, we came home and I wasn't ready yet. Uh, so I needed some uh, extra wine. So uh, because I don't know if you recognize it, you go to a party, you're very moderating, like two glasses maximum because you don't want to be the obvious uh, binge drinker yeah. over there. Yeah. But then the button is on. So then when you come home, you need to go on because you're still not there yet. I'm yes. so sorry to say, but that was the feeling. Yeah. That's so and for him, it was like you just had two drinks. What's the problem? And blah, blah, blah. And then he realized I had. I, I was the problem and I had a problem mm. and he was getting mad and angry and uh, well, it was disappointment. And uh, suddenly I saw myself through his eyes and that was moment number one. Like you see yourself like the woman who was drinking too much and you don't want to look that way. You don't want to be that way. You don't, it was well, well sad. Mm. Um, so I seek help and, um, uh, well, a lot of sessions, a lot of talks, a lot of exercises. And then I thought, well, I'm, maybe I can moderate. Mm. And then uh, I was on a party and uh, one of my best friends, um, he had Duralex uh, glasses. So they're like from Ikea uh, glass, little glasses. Yeah, And he was pouring wine. So it just looked like you don't drink much. But at the end, you had like eight small glasses. So like four big glasses of wine. Mm. And it was very fast and no food. So I was getting drunk and not even on a nice flow, but hit it. Yes. Hit it. And I couldn't walk. And I, I was like really uh, tumbling and lispling. And well, it was very shameful. And then... I was also panicking how to get home, etc. And I was like, I'm 43 years old, or for, yeah, and this is my problem now. Oh, I God. need to get home, and I'm drunk. This is so sad. And I was so sick the day after because mm -hmm. I didn't eat, and uh, and the hangover was the worst. It was a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, etc. And then I didn't want to feel that way any anymore. And then. Uh, um, so the third last moment was when I was, I went to the, uh, surgery, uh, the orthopedic surgery mm -hmm. and she was waiting me uh, and I was, well, uh, overweight and everything. And she was like, well, do you smoke? Do you drink? Blah, blah, blah. And if she wants, if you want uh, a fully and a healthy recovery, uh, this is uh, my advice. And she says, well, lose some pounds. So first stop with the alcohol uh, consumption. And I told her I was drinking, well, maximum two glasses in the weekend. Well, uh, <laughs> we always lie, don't we? <laughs> Yeah, but I wasn't even drinking really because I was after March uh, or in March, I was already on a, but that moment was the real hitter. Like I'm like an overweight, drunk woman who needs total knee replacement. This is, this is the bottom for me. Yeah. Uh, and um, well, then I had the operation plan and, and everything and I was like, okay, Got it, on it, do it. And um, yeah, I got books uh, from Claire Pooley. Uh, in Dutch, we say it's called Chardonnay. It's called Chardonnay <laughs> in Dutch. <laughs> and uh, well, of course, your Instagram account and uh, a lot of information. And um, actually, well, it wasn't a big challenge because I had a plan and I had a motivation and I had a goal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? We, uh, we're so similar. <laughs> um, and I think I had exactly the same kind of thing in that I just had that moment where I, I just, I realized I couldn't moderate. I woke up and I thought, I don't want to feel like this again. I'm so fed up of feeling 
just so much shame and anxiety and just feeling rubbish from my hangovers. And, um, and I just, I created a plan, you know, and I really, I really think just having that focus and putting those few sort of simple things into place from the beginning made such a difference. But I do think that that mindset doing it for myself, like I really got to the place where it was an intrinsic goal. You know, it wasn't an external, you have to stop. Like I really wanted it. I really wanted it. And I, um, I, I just happened to read a really good book, um, or a couple of books first. And I read the Alan Carr's easy way to stop drinking for women, which I, always recommend because I just I found it I found it very transformational um and I really loved the unexpected joy of being sober um which is a big you know a big a big book in 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 the UK especially I think they might I think they might have different titles because I know Claire Pooley I know her for the sober diaries I think it's the sober diaries which I also read but I'm wondering if it's maybe called something different yeah I think it's yeah yeah they made like a make because of Chardonnay uh, and the last uh, nay in Dutch is no so probably they made a funny title of it yeah yeah because I know that sometimes some of the books also have different titles in America to the UK so that that might be what it is yeah yeah, those, I, I found those books. I just, I'd never listened to a podcast before in my life. I didn't mm-hmm. even know how to find them, if I'm being honest. The week that I, my first week of being sober, I just thought, no barriers, Terry. You find out how to do this. I think mm-hmm. I opened I opened a podcast app on my phone that I had previously put in a folder called Do Not Bother with These Apps, because I just thought <laughs> they were just rubbish. And yeah. so I kind of dug this podcast app out of this obscure folder and I tapped it open and I typed sober in the search bar and then all this stuff came up and uh, I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll press play. Let's go. And I just, that was it. That was the beginning of my love affair <laughs> with podcasts Yeah, because that cha- they, they changed my life. And like you, I just had a plan. I just thought I'm going to do these things and I'm at, for, for me, I'm going to do them every day. I'm going to do something every day to keep me on the straight and narrow. And I'm going to mm-hmm. count my days on my sober app thing. You know, every time I, you know, seven days, 10 days, I just, I checked it every day. And over time that just builds up some resilience I think in sobriety and some confidence and you know obviously when you get your first like going out and all those sorts of things you need a little bit more support but that really worked for me and it sounds like that's sort of how you approached it as well yeah Yeah, totally yeah uh, and well I had a little help, of course, because after surgery, I had a lot of uh, morphine. And yeah. uh, so I didn't dare and uh, was very scared of everything yeah. uh, and not feeling very well as well. Um, but uh, so when you get through the first three weeks, it's getting a lot easier. And uh, yeah, well, uh, a lot of my friends don't like to drink. Uh, anymore not because of sobriety uh, but just because so when we go out it's very easy not to drink because if you just drink soda or uh, it's no questions asked not if you're pregnant or why but um, I was also offended because um, a couple of years ago you would have had the question like oh why not? And now they were like, oh, good for you. And the good for you was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, in, you obviously needed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then, uh, but that's, that's my problem and my uh, projection. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, now it's getting a lot easier and also if you want to drive a car or you always have reasons why not. I mean, the reasons why should I are less, are getting less, 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 less. Mm. There are 99 reasons not to. There's only one reason because you're weak or because uh, 
whatever. And that's that's, that's a very good insight now. Yeah, that's so, that's such a great quote. I think I'm going to steal that quote. Yeah. Um, But, you know, (laughs) the the reasons why should I are getting less and less. It's so beautifully put. It's so true. And look, you don't feel that usually in your first week (laughs) or first few weeks. You know, it does feel like, God, this is such hard work and why am I even doing this? And, oh, I feel lost and da, da, da. But, you know, it does it does shift, doesn't it? It totally. does start to get to the, you start to get to the place where you think, oh God, I, I almost, what, how did I even ever drink that much? Like, why did I drink that much? I'm just wasting so much time. You just, you can't believe it. But like you say, the reasons to pick up a drink um, are, they're, they're so massively outnumbered by the reasons not to pick up a drink. Yeah. So exactly, and uh, and now you're also able to fast forward already the night or the day after. When I uh, um, a couple of months ago or a year ago, I would tell, I would do like, well, whatever. I see it tomorrow. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Yes. Blah blah blah. And now I'm like, oh no, I don't. I don't want to enter that phase. I don't want to go through to that. And then. The the crave well I don't have really cravings but the the moment is gone. Yes, yeah I I always um, call that the play it forward um, yeah technique which is not you know not something I've made up I'm sort of making that sound like that's something I've <laughs> invented but you know that when I say to other people that are struggling with an event particularly coming up I say okay use you know use that play it forward technique you play the movie out because I was the same as you I I basically used to press the fuck it button just like oh I'll just deal with it tomorrow no <laughs> do you know what I mean? like yeah I'll do it because it feels like a really good idea in this five minutes and I'd never think anything through I just you know the pull to drink would be so strong and I would just drink and then I'd really pay for it afterwards. And I was in that, I, I think I felt quite caught in that vicious loop for quite a long time um, yeah. until I got to the point where I just thought I can't do this and I can't moderate and blah, blah. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, um, I think that's such a good, um, it's such a good point. Yeah, and I also one the one thing when I used to fuck it, <laughs> thought yes. fuck it, it was also like carpe diem and like a YOLO, you know, uh, yes. like uh, you only live once. And yes. now I use the same thought. I only live once, so why would yeah. I fuck it up? <laughs> yeah, it, so it's totally in reverse. Uh, you can mirror it, like all yeah. those moments you thought like whatever, whatever. It's now whatever the whatever is now because you're dealing with the consequences and uh yeah and the rewards as well yeah. you know if yeah. not and i think you know we yeah we 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 sound like we've got a similar approach there i remember um saying yolo <laughs> you know, yeah come on you know let's just do this let's just go mad you only live once and everyone will be going yeah and yeah. Really now when I reflect on that, that is you can see the psychology there where you're just you're just seeking constant reassurance and validation. <laughs> yeah. That destructive path you're about to walk down is a good idea. But yeah. you know, but it's not. And it's so funny, isn't it? It's so, and that is just so much, I think, to do. There's obviously the brain science element there in that your brain is craving it. It thinks it needs alcohol to survive. There's that side of things. But there yeah. is just also, you know, there's the social conditioning side of things as well, that it is so normalized. It is so acceptable. If 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 I wasn't the person saying YOLO, somebody else would be saying YOLO, you know, mm-hmm. in, perhaps in my group. So we were almost like all as bad as each other in a way. Um, so, you, yeah, it's it you, you can see how when you're trying to break that pattern of, of drinking, that it, it it is a tricky place to get through that first few weeks, isn't it? But I think the hardest bit for sure is the, is the first few weeks. Even if you're sort of five months in and you're, you've got a wedding coming or Christmas coming and you're really struggling with the idea of getting through that event sober, I still don't know if that 
feeling of being uncomfortable is worse than the first three weeks because the first three weeks you're like a fish out of water aren't you yeah just trying to yeah. navigate it all yeah totally yeah so in terms of like the first sort of 100 days and and maybe particularly like what what was the most sort of tricky bit for you do you think so you had this plan for yourself and you sounded like you had this determination that was helping you through what was the biggest challenge for you uh, uh if i well still if i have a lot of pressure going on a lot of deadlines uh uh troubling teenager uh, <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and everything is if you know you have a boiling point yeah once in a while and then i need to breathe instead of oh i cannot manage i cannot manage and then go to the grocery store and think well with just one night one glass so i need to manage my boiling points and um and and don't make the demons go <laughs> on the other side over the boiling point and pull me through the grocery store and say, well, you deserve a very good glass of wine now. And you did so well to, so far, yes. just one. Sit yes. down, relax. So that's tricky because that, that um, it happens. Well, it didn't happen. I didn't go to the grocery store to get wine, but the feelings and the struggle was real on that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great way of describing. It, actually, I really like that. You know, managing my boiling point. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that it made me think of something that I think I'd probably forgotten actually, because I because I manage my boiling point now without ever thinking about wine. But there was a time, and I think probably in my definitely my first year when I reached my boiling points, and wine was the first thing that would come into my head. It's almost like the first thought, automatic, bang, yeah. have, some, have wine, you know, and, and that's quite strange because now whenever I hit boiling point, I'm, I, I don't know, I, that, that wine thing never, ever enters my brain, which is amazing. And I've, yeah. never, I've never reflected on that before, really, until you mentioned that thing about the boiling point, but it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me and I have said this before but it's fascinating that you can drink for me it was 27 years <laughs> that mm. I drank alcohol for all reasons and for coping with life and to then now only three years into not drinking I never think about it and it never enters my brain it's almost like my brain has forgotten that I ever drank isn't that <gasps> it's, it's that's amazing isn't it it's just yeah, I, I need to go there I mean I'm still seven months so it yes. will need to go there but i i i imagine myself it will happen yes yeah absolutely <laughs> and, uh, no. and i also hope like media because uh, i remember dealing your boiling points if you look at movies and and uh, series a lot of moments when people are in distress or having troubles or are heartbroken the first mm -hmm. thing friends tell each other let's come over let's drink some wine or get a cocktail or go to a bar and uh, get wasted even there um, that's also a message that needs to be changed i agree completely you can tell your friend let's go for a walk on the beach or I'll go walk in the forest and breathe yeah. and yeah. <laughs> relax but that's that's a whole other chapter there yes. will be a moment i'm gonna move to the beach uh in february a uh, new house uh, out of Amsterdam. Wow. And so my managing uh, tools will yeah. be much more, if I feel the stress, I can walk to the beach and oh. sit there and breathe, you oh, know? That's so lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. Get all those developments will enter and will grow. Yeah. No, they absolutely 100% will. Um and it's funny that you said that because I, um, my husband and I just watched a TV series that we really enjoyed it actually. It's called Bad Sisters. And it's, yeah. um, I don't know if you've heard of it, might not be over in Holland, but it's basically an, uh, an Irish, it's, it's, it's four or five Irish sisters and, um, and it's kind of, like a dark comedy they try to kill their brother-in-law because they hate <laughs> they hate him and so it's, it is quite funny um and um but 
one of the things that I noticed every episode, I think there's something like 10 episodes, every single episode, there was a, a drama or, you know, there was some bad news and they always got the wine out and sat around the table and drank. And it, it was just so, in, like you say, it's just that social conditioning. And even my husband, who's not a very big drinker, he probably has like one drink a year or something, two drinks a year, re- really not a very big drinker at all. Even he said, God, they're really, they're really kind of glamorizing the wine in this show, yeah. aren't they? Because it was just in almost every episode and it was kind of quite, yeah, weird. I'm just obviously because I'm not drinking anymore. I was really tuned into that. But, yeah. um, but, but if I was still drinking, I would just think that that was probably really funny or would be feeling good because it's really normal sort of thing. Yeah, the only series who uh, made it more realistic is now the new uh, version of Sex in the City, just like that, where Miranda has a drinking problem. Right. And she's not drinking, drinking. She's just drinking too much, if you know what I mean, or uh, with lunch or uh, by night. And she's always the one who's get one bottle or one glass before uh, or for, uh, how do you say She's always drinking two glasses more than the rest of the people. Yes. Yeah. And that was realistic. That was also uh, when Carrie and, and Charlotte say, like, you have a drinking problem. And she, and she got the book, How to Quit Like a Woman. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. And then fine, that was the first time I thought, oh, finally, a more realistic drinking problem yes. person. And also this is what too much drinking actually in real life also is instead yeah. of the, the 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 homeless uh brown paper bag uh yeah. bench drinker i mean yeah. this is what happens in real life yeah it's so true i haven't seen that i'll have to i'll have to check that out um so talking about the uh talking about the, the positive side of it and the benefits what would you say has been the biggest gain for you the best thing for you about not drinking I think I'm much uh, more, uh, my emotions are much more stable. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have those grumpy, uh, short uh, temper moments. Um, that's, and I feel um, in control mm. the whole day. And um, yeah, so there's a regulation of emotions and, and stress and uh, my personality and every other factors. I'm in control. Yeah. And so how- I'm not living my day through a, a slightly hangover, uh, etc. This is me. This is This is life. It makes it sound so simple, but it is that simple and it is so rewarding, isn't it? When you just feel like you and you just feel well every day. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and not the guilt or the, but really the mm, confidence. I'm not quite sure if that's the correct word, but well, in control. So you wake up. This is the day, this is you, this is life, and there's no guilt, no headache, no shame, no ugh, feeling or, or, or compensating the, the drinks you had with a lot of vitamin C or whatsoever just to get the balance. You are in balance. Yeah, that's lovely. That's a really nice way of putting it, isn't it? You're yeah. 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 And... Yeah, it's such a, it's such a and and actually I mean sometimes I mean maybe people listening to this might be having a bit of a rough spell in their um sobriety and you know I I I mean I don't know about you but I certainly remember there were those kind of wobbly moments where things felt a bit shit <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like that I'm missing out on everything and I'm just so irritated that I can't drink and I miss the old me and all of those sorts of things so I think that there is a place for both of those feelings in earlier sobriety. I think you can wake up and feel more glorious, but still feel annoyed or of course. anxiety that you're not drinking anymore and or just or just feeling a bit low and a bit down. But I agree completely with you. I think 
when you get the stability of waking up every day without all that extra shame or, you know, feeling under the weather, um, it, 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 that does grow a confidence and you start to trust yourself. And so even the days where you feel a bit wobbly, they almost, you, you, you start to kind of just get through those days mm-hmm. and, and they get, I know for me, the, I, I know there were days in the beginning when I, I didn't, I wasn't able to put a finger on why I wasn't feeling great. I just expected it to be amazing every single day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not. No, no, and no. I, and, I used, and I used to feel like, but what's wrong with me? Everybody's kind of talking about sobriety and they're all loving it. It's all rainbows. Um, but there were those days that were a bit wobbly and they do become less frequent as time goes on. And I do think that you just learn to be in yourself and cope with everyday life. And that yeah. starts to feel mostly really good. So I think what I'm trying to say is in a roundabouts way that um, even if you're having those kind of wobbly moments, don't still keep having trust in the process. Like you've got to, you've got to have some down days, you know. Yeah, but that's life. I mean, yeah, I, I was relating it to not drinking but it's also accepting that not every day is full of rainbows and roses and, and everything. This is life. And uh, I also I was timing those moments because I thought it was a whole bad day. But then I realized there were three moments on a day yeah. who were not so lovely or good or terrible whatsoever. But so if you journalize your days, which is one of the things I start doing, I realized those wobbly moments were moments and not uh, big events, which early on when I wasn't sober, I always thought those are excuses. Those were the reasons. Those were the, uh, um, how do you say, (laughs) almost justified moments Mm -hmm. to drink, but they're just moments. Yes. That's such a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a really, really powerful point. Um, and you're absolutely, I've, I've heard that quote before as well, when they say, okay, you've had a bad day. It's not a bad life. Like exactly, it's about yeah. putting it into perspective, isn't it? It's like, okay, you might have that fleeting thought that something is a bit rubbish or, um, but yeah, it, it, like you say, it, it's life. And I think that's part of the challenge when you drink and you drink frequently or, if you drink for every kind of reason, it's that mm-hmm. in- instant gratification, isn't it? That mm-hmm. actually you can't have that quick fix when you haven't, you no. know, you've got to just work through it. You've got to accept that something might annoy you for a day or two whilst you work through what, what the issue really is or why it's upsetting you so much. And um, you can't just take something and get an immediate big dopamine hit and just forget about it and ignore it. And like, you don't get instant gratification in sobriety. You have to bloody work. <laughs> Very, sort of, yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's not a religion. Yeah. It's not a religion. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a lifestyle. So you have to grow into it. Yeah. That's nice. I like that. You have to grow into it. So um, what are the kind of three main tips that you would have for people listening to this podcast that are wanting to get sober or or who are sober and just need some good tips? Um, Try uh, to inspire yourself with a lot of sober stories, sobriety, uh, Instagram accounts, uh, TikTok, uh, podcasts, books. There are a lot of people like you, so please inspire yourself and motivate yourself. Uh, write beautiful quotes uh, in your journal. Get a journal mm-hmm. um, to reflect on your emotions, your your yourself, your rewards, your milestones. It's all good to focus and to uh, not to focus, but to visualize what you're doing, because a lot of things. Um, uh, we're related with in, internal emotions and internal thoughts and internal struggles. But if you write it down, you also, how do you say, uh, reprodu- reproduce it. You yes. 
reprocess it. You can process it. Um, and the third one is trying to find a hobby. Um, and I'm not, don't do something crazy big. I mean, always in little steps, but find something. I'm very into uh, well, writing and um, theater. And I bought a, a, um, a card. I can go to the movies, um, like a subscription. Mm-hmm. So every time I was hanging on a couch with a bottle of wine, I'm now in cinemas or theaters, which is now very possible and wasn't with COVID, I know. But trying to find something to get you out of the, your system and your um, your habits. Yes. Oh, and one good book is uh, Atomic Habits uh, from James Clearly, I think. What, what also... was that? Sorry, was that Atomic Habits? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to check that one out. Atomic Habits by... That's a very good one. And it's a little steps, little things uh, to change because you can quit the drinking, but you also have to start uh, uh, quit uh, a lot of other things or change a lot of other things you did to make, to maintain sober. Yeah, that's such a brilliant point as well that you, um, you can't, you can't put the drink down and live the same life. No, because <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't work. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And it doesn't mean like that's not to put people off. It doesn't mean like you have to have an overhaul, you know, and rid yourself of your husband and your friends, and you know. But you have to change things within you. Mm-hmm. And like you say, I think create that distraction as well because one of the things that always really shocked me when I stopped drinking was how much time I gave. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, right. Oh my God. Here we go. Friday night. There is actually, you know, four or five hours in a Friday night. What uh-huh. am I going to do? Yeah. At five o'clock and then all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I uh, found different things to do. To be honest, I spent most, I just spent most of my life listening to podcasts in the beginning, just constantly bombarding myself with new information Mm -hmm. to, like you say, to inspire myself. That was, for me, that was the thing that I really loved. But um, you just, you gain time and it's just best to use that time in a different way than just especially in the beginning I mean now I'll very happily sit on the sofa and watch telly with my husband and just drink mint tea very happy to do that but you can understand in the beginning that might make people feel a bit jittery and nervous because it's too much like what they might have done with with wine so go go for a walk read a bit of a book do some journaling practice some breathing techniques youtube some yoga you know go in all there's all sorts of different things yeah. or if you if you're not bound to the house with young kids like me you know like yeah. you say go out and go to yeah. the theater or or do a class or something in a gym or somewhere but yeah do something different create that distraction for yourself yeah. that, that's such good advice yeah Oh, Isabel, it's been amazing. It's been yeah. it's been so nice to talk to you. Um, and got loads of pearls of wisdom there. <laughs> really, really well, have. You yeah, you've been been amazing. Um, if you're open to sharing your journey, where can we find you? Uh well, I'm not quite open uh, yet because I really want to uh, make it through the year and then uh, uh be how do you say experienced person. Yes. Um so, but I'm on Instagram, but I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, how do you say, I'm not an ambassador or uh, on it. I'm, I'm, I will if I make it through the year, because I think I'm now too fresh uh, uh, started and yes. I really want to achieve something so I can tell people, this is how I did it. And this is how you, uh, this is how I can help you or inspire you. No, that's really good. I would say good boundaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's excellent. Uh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed talking as much as I've enjoyed. Oh, certainly. Lovely. Certainly. And keep up the good work. I mean, oh. you, uh, you were a very big inspiration. So uh, keep it up, please. I think you uh, do a lot of amazing, amazing stories 
uh, on Instagram for a lot of us. <laughs> oh, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you to everybody else. We'll speak to you or you'll hear from us next week. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at Sassy Sober Mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.